Up nails. Wow. Didn't know that. That's cool. That's news. How do you buff a nail? With a buffer, of course. How silly of me. It's like a car on your foot. All right. Well, it's good to see you all here. We are, I'm excited. These have been a lot of fun. So I'm glad you've joined us and um, for these outdoor services. Next week, we will be meeting back in our regular meeting place, which is this banquet room right outside here. Air conditioning going, and it would be nice and enjoyable. So, but it, it has been a lot of fun to do this this way. So really glad you've come out here to worship. And there is a farmer's market it, behind the building. The city of Riverside has just opened up and starts this today. And so every Sunday, there's going to be a farmer's market behind us, which I think is a tremendous opportunity for us as a church to serve the farmers that are selling their goods there and also just to kind of, you know, share with people that we're here. And so I'm sure that today they're probably hearing us. So it's, it's actually really fun. And so um, we've begun to just brainstorm ways that we can serve at that farmer's market. And so for us, as we look at ideas that have been brainstormed and make decisions on how we can best, you know, use that opportunity. And so I performed a marriage uh, last night for one of the couples from our church, Jared and Veronica. Um, she's in our, she's one of our vocalists and Jared usually plays the guitar and he's led worship on occasion when Cody is, is out on vacation or sick. And it was just a really, I, I love, uh, I, I love weddings. I enjoyed this one in particular. Um, and one of my favorite parts of the wedding is when the parents give away the, the bride. And in a sense, the groom is given away by their parents as well. And there's really this sense of, of a role change and a transfer of a, a bunch of things happens at that point. And I take some time in the marriage ceremony to really talk about significance of that separation from parents. The scripture says, you know, man and woman will leave their father and mother. That's symbolic leaving happens in the ceremony. And I just love, I love that. I love seeing the expressions on their faces. Being as close as I am when I'm performing the ceremony, I love to see the tears. I love to, I just, it's, and it's not because I'm sappy, because I'm really not. But it, it got a hold of me yesterday. I was sitting there and I was looking at the faces of these dads and moms and just, the reason behind that is they've invested years building into their kids, raising them to be people who will contribute in the world and make a difference for the kingdom and, and trying to help, you know, pre- prepare them for marriage and to commit themselves to another person who's heading in the same direction in life. And all of that wrapped into this ceremony is just powerful for me. I just, and, and it got a hold of me because I really thought about as a parent, you know, having three of my own, Lord willing, one day being able to be in that same situation, giving away my, you know, my kids. Um, and you're asking questions like, are they ready? Are they, are they going to make it? Will they grow up? Will they continue to mature and grow and, and blossom as, as, as individuals? And, and because what it is, is there's this, you're handing this precious stewardship, if you're a parent, over to another, right? And you're trusting God with his work to continue in their lives. But man, it was powerful. And I shared this in the first service. I'll share it again. And I'm sure Jared wouldn't mind because Jared is 
This is Jared. He's just very, um, he's a very genuine, kind person. He'll talk to you in a very genuine way and listen to you and encourage you. And we were about to start the ceremony and we were with the wedding party and then he and I were supposed to go off kind of to a disclosed area until we were supposed to walk up to the front. And so we're leaving the wedding party and everyone's like, all right, Jared, go get him, you know. You know, it's like he's going into into the big game or something. And, and he walks past his dad really quickly and they give each other a nod. And I, I was like, Jared, you can actually give him a hug. You can stop and just take this in. And the both of them broke down. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, because because I recognize like how special that is. This is a precious stewardship. And, and he's saying, Dad, thank you for the investment you've made in me. And, and, you know, his dad came up to me afterwards and just 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 shared with me how excited he is for his son. I just, man, I, I understand that. But all along the way, as parents, they're probably asking the questions that we've been looking at in this series from a parable in Matthew 13. Questions like, will they grow? Who will they become? Will their faith grow strong? Will it remain through the years? Will they stay on course? Because they planted a lot of seeds along the way. And I, I look forward to the day when I'm able to be in their shoes. When I'm able to give away my daughter or stand beside my sons and just say, you know what, you're ready. Be a contributor. Be someone who makes God's kingdom, make a difference in God's kingdom. And then also, I was reflecting upon this parable and the passage, that I, one of the passages I'm looking at. There's a verse that we're going to look at in Ephesians 2.10. But I, I thought about how God must feel when we respond to him in faith and begin to grow and produce a harvest in our lives or share our faith with others so they can experience God's the reality of God and his change in their life and how God must feel just so pleased and just be so thrilled when we actually grow because the scripture says in Ephesians that God has been preparing us to grow. He's created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we're going to look at that passage. But to me, it's kind of the picture of the of these parents kind of handing the stewardship over for something they're prepared now to do. And so, for me, that kind of helped set a backdrop for this morning's message because God has prepared each one of us to do something in life. Feel free if it gets really hot and uncomfortable, find shade. No big deal at all. So, we're looking at a parable, which is a short story in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And the parable is the parable of the sower. Jesus I'm going to read some of this just to refresh our memory. And we're going to focus in on the very end of the parable, the final seed. Because we've looked at, there's four different kinds of seeds that are sown. Sower sows sows these seeds. And so we're going to look at the last one. But I'm going to read a story to you as well. It says in Matthew 13, there's a listening guide. If If you follow along, some of the verses are in the listening guide. It says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat down by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Verse 5, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Then in verse 18, he takes the time to explain, what is this story about? Is it just about farming? Is this Jesus' tips on how to be a good gardener? 
He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19 says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, that's Satan, he comes and he snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. We looked at this. There are some that the, the message never works its way into their life. It's just they're resistant. And it's like a bird comes along and takes a seed that's just on ground, on the path, and just takes it away before it can do anything. That's one seed. Then it says this, The one who received the seed that fell in rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once received it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So then you've got this rocky, you've got the seed that lands in rocky soil. This would be, for me, this area soil, naturally. It's kind of this hard, decomposed granite. And if you've tried to do gardening, unless you've really dug deep and took a tiller to really dig down four or five feet or something, you're going to have a hard time planting. I know this is true because this is what we've experienced. You've really got to get down deep because on the surface, you might have a little bit of good-looking soil, but just below that, it is like a rock. You try to take a shovel. I busted a shovel in my backyard, just trying to break into difficult, you know, hard, hard soil. But when this comes to a person's life, he's saying that the seed can be planted, and just like in that rocky soil, it sprouts up, but it's a superficial, it's a shallow growth, and over time the sun just burns that plant. I'm concerned because this week my plants are looking really good, but the heat is, the heat is here. And we're actually going to be gone Monday through Friday. And I'm really concerned because we've got that rocky soil. And when the sun comes, I'm just afraid we're going to come back from our trip and everything's going to be practically dead, withered and dead. In the scriptures, though, people, when we respond, and there's no depth to our faith, though no depth, we have a shallow, superficial, emotional faith, then when tests come, like the cost of falling Christ is too hard, it burns away the faith. There's, there's really nothing legitimate there, is what he's saying. Look at where it goes on. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So we looked at this last week as well. Just that there's all sorts of things that can capture our attention and keep us focused and occupied so that we don't develop and grow. And those competing loyalties and demands choke out the possibility for growth in people's lives. But then we get to this verse that we're going to focus on this morning. Verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, there is actually good soil, is the man who hears the word and understands it. You take it in and it makes sense. That's the good soil. When it actually penetrates into the heart and actually you're like, wow, this is me. This is my life. I understand what God's word says and how it connects to my life. I understand what God has done through Jesus. Things start coming together with the good soil. It says... They hear the word and they understand it. And then it says he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So there's some points I want to draw from the parable. And they're in your outline. You can follow along. The first point is this. It's there will always be people whom God prepares to respond with sincere and surrendered hearts. This is a promise. God is preparing people. There will always be people. Despite the fact that some will be resistant, some will have a superficial, emotional, worldly, Faith, but God is always preparing some to respond. He's doing something behind the scenes that we can't see, and we just don't know who he's preparing. But he's at work. The scripture reminds us of that. 
I told you a little bit about my avocado tree. It had five and then one. It has none at this point. It's been a rough season because this is like the third year of the tree, and we were hoping for a little bit of something. And these these things, they just, they, they're not making it. And I'm going to try to go a little deeper. i got to figure out where is that good soil because there is actually a way to create good soil. I've, I've not got it down yet. But if I can create some good soil in my yard, we're going to grow. It's, it's inevitable. We're going to grow a garden. Isn't that true? Some of you have gardens because you've got good soil. And I know some of my friends, they got great gardens. And I, I don't get jealous when I see it. I'm actually really happy because I get to enjoy some of it here and there. And But you got good soil, you're going to grow a good garden. You put some water, some seeds in the ground, it's going to grow up. And God, the truth is, I'm convinced God is at work. He is preparing people to respond to him. People who are like that good soil. And <clears throat> we need to stay after it because we, if, well, we're going to get to that. How do you know a person is a good soil? Question that comes out of the text. How do you know that a person is really a good soil? What, what are we looking for? That's the next point in the outline. The ultimate mark of a genuine believer is fruit bearing. The ultimate mark. There is real growth. If fruit is bearing, this, produ- this person is producing something. You see that in the good soil. It says it produced a crop, right? It produced a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. This is powerful multiplication. God takes that seed-like faith and he just, he's responsible to, or he causes that thing to grow up in some cases, in some people's lives. And the next point there is that spiritual fruit is the inevitable product of spiritual life. If there is spiritual life, there will be spiritual fruit. It it can't not happen because God causes things to grow. He causes people to grow. A person who responds genuinely to Jesus bears fruit in different areas of their life, specifically our attitudes and the way we live. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit... Or the evidence of the Holy Spirit, and, or the evidence of His presence, this is what He produces. This list is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you've committed your life to Christ in, as an adult, and I know many of you have done that, you've decided to follow Christ as adults, not children, but as adults. The people who knew you before, it's likely that they stumble upon you now and they're like, man, something is really unusually different about you. It's because they see a change. They see fruit. They see good work bearing up in your, they see fruit bearing up in your life. With God at work in us, the possibility for real change is, it just opens up. God can, the greatest thing is that God wants us to bear fruit all year round. We have little seasons where we know we better put some seeds in the ground. This is the right time to do it. I think it's early springtime. You know, if you're if you're committed to Jesus and walking closely to him, you can experience growth all year round. It's not seasonal. It doesn't have to be, you know, you go to this great thing and you just have this high point and you know, if you'll walk with him steadily, God can do something in your life day in, day out, week after week. You can start stacking up good days, which lead to good weeks and good years. And you look back at the end of your life and you're just, wow, God, your blessing has been on me because I walked with you, walked closely with you. The other point that's in your outline is this. It says the Spirit-led life, or the Holy Spirit-led life, is constantly bearing fruit. 
This is, an, this is again, evidence of, this is evidence of a real change. The person who's walking closely to the Lord, there's just this constant bearing. Look at Psalm chapter 1. Describes this type of person. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, or on all of God's word. He's, there's a person that focused on God's ways, His laws. It says he meditates. That word really means he ponders or he gives serious thought and consideration to it. Day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season. There's the idea of fruitfulness again. There's fruit bearing in this person's life. It's not just a emotional, I feel great. No, there's fruit being born in this person's life whose leaf does not wither. What that means is there's constant growth. Get, get, a, get a hold of that. Whose leaf, our leaf... If our life was like a tree and we're leaf, our leaves aren't withering, that means we're constantly growing. We're constantly, God's constantly producing things in our life. And it says this, whatever he does prospers. Man, this is a tremendous encouragement. If you follow Christ and you see little or no fruit in your life, ask yourself, am I trying to lead my life again, my own way, with my plans, my agenda? Check, check it. Check your, your life. Take it. Take a look back at your week. Did I spend any time with God? Have I, have I sat before Him and really allowed Him to speak to me? Or am I trying to do things my own way? If we do, we find, man, things do wither up. We, we can't really say I identify with that passage there. But the truth is, God, <clears throat> He wants to produce things in us. And, and if you have responded to Him in faith, you're good soil. Growth can happen. Over time, you'll see this. And you'll see, this is a point on the backside. Believers, this is something you learn in the parable. Believers differ in fruit bearing because they differ in commitment to obedience. It's interesting. Not everybody grows at the same rate, do we? Some people grow up very quickly in their faith and, and just right away. Other people bear fruit at a much, much slower pace. They stay very, very immature for many, many years. And as I watch people grow, it's those who take responsibility for their own growth. Not because they're smarter, but because they, they, they take initiative in their walk with God. They get to know Him through the Scripture. They obey Him. As, as God points things out in our life, they take action. They get after it. Sometimes I'll be reading through the connection cards that we fill out each Sunday and praying through the connection cards and I'll read prayer requests and I'll see next steps being checked and I just think, wow, look at the work that God is doing. And I'll read, I'll read specific things and I'm like, wow, that is so remarkably different from what I remember a year ago or two years ago when I met that individual. Look at the work that God has done. It's a tremendous encouragement. Jesus said it this way. Look at John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. He said, I am the vine. I'm sorry, I'm the true vine. So Jesus is the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So he's talking about this, and he's talking about a vineyard, and saying, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm the true vine. My Father's like the gardener, the vine dresser. He comes along, and he, he takes care of the, the vines. Now, we're the branches. We'll learn about that in a minute. But it says, every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cuts off. This it's kind of a complicated, troubling passage. The word cuts off, the Greek word, iro, it actually can mean to take up 
or lift up. It's an unfortunate translation in the, in the New International Version that I'm reading out of that it says he cuts off. Because that leads us to believe if we're not growing, he cuts us off, gets rid of us, but he has no use for us. But this really can be translated to say he takes up, he takes up the branch that's not bearing fruit or he lifts up the branch that's not bearing fruit. And when we're, when we're not bearing fruit, we're not growing like a loving vine dresser. God can pick us up. He can clean us off. Because if you can imagine branches that are dangling on the ground that are not bearing anything, what do they need? They need to be picked up off the ground, cleaned off. Cleaned off and then maybe propped up. Light and air needs to be able to penetrate these branches so that they once again can produce something. That's what God can do in our life to cause, to stimulate growth that he wants. But then it goes on and says this, while every branch that does bear fruit, so there are some, that bear fruit. There are some in this group right now. You're bearing fruit. You're bearing some fruit in your life. If the first case, if you feel like, you know, I'm not bearing any fruit, it might be that you, there's some sin that you need to turn away from in repentance and allow God to clean you off through forgiveness. Just experience that so you can move on again. You maybe need to identify something that's holding you back, that's preventing you from growing. But maybe, like in the next part of this passage, You're a branch that's bearing some fruit. There is some growth. Look at what it says. It says he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. If you're growing, God intends to prune. He he wants to cut away immature commitments, lesser priorities to make room for an even greater abundance. We have like a professional tree trimmer who's a member of our church. And he talked to me and I totally forgot to consult him on this passage and just all this. But he came to me in the middle between service and he said, you know what, that was so encouraging. I never, he's new to Christ and he's just, that was so helpful. He said, that's so true. That is why we prune. We prune because, he says, there's five reasons to prune. And he gave them to me really quick. And I I can't remember them all, but one was like better view. One was fruit bearing flowers. One was too many crossed branches, too much clutter. One was just to create a stronger uh, base. You know, he said, the truth is, if there's just so many branches on a tree, um, all the all the nourishment is flowing to all these little sprouts. He says, what you want to do is you want to cut away those sprouts and really focus the the nourishment of the tree towards those solid branches. And this is the way God works in our life. We try to grow up, but we get so spread out, so thin, and we got all these branches coming out of our lives. We're pouring all our energy into trying to keep up with everyone and everything, and then God. He reminds us, you can't do all that. You can't spread yourself so thin. So he comes along, he shows us those lesser priorities that need to, to to take a notch down in our life. Or he trims away commitments so that we can bear more fruit. Look at where it continues to go. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Christ Jesus is the vine. He is the power source. We've got to stay connected to him. And then it says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. That's the whole passage in Matthew 13 of the fruit, the one that produced a crop 160, 30 times. He's saying, if a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to see fruit in your life to grow through the years, you have to stay connected to Christ. If you want to see lots of fruit, He says you have to abide in Christ. And abiding doesn't have to do with doing. 
Abiding is not doing. Abiding is being. It's being with. It's staying close to. It's staying connected to. It's settling in in that relationship with Christ for the long term. And that's where many of us need to hang out. We just need to spend more time being with Christ and allowing him to grow this fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Listen carefully. This passage is not about being saved by your good works. This is Your salvation does not depend on your works. But the fruit of the new birth, it better be real. If we see no fruit in our life, we should check, am I in the faith? Because the fruit of the new birth needs to be evident. God has always been preparing his followers to grow. Look at Ephesians 2.10. Actually, it's not in your, it's not in your uh, outline, but it says this. Paul said, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, the seed was planted in our life, and God... He caused that seed to grow up. He intends to change us. When we're growing, we're doing what he intended for us in the first place. So how should we respond to this? Just a few other thoughts here. Responding to this parable, first, build evangelism, which is sharing your faith, into your life and recognize a few things. We need to build this into our life. It just doesn't happen automatically. We have to make initiative and take time to think through, how am I going to share with others? How am I going to... Be in a place or places where I interact often with other people I can share my faith with. But build it into your life and then recognize a few things. One is some reject, just like the parable said. Some seed falls along the path. Some people, it just bounces right off them. It's helpful to remember that. Also recognize some will have a superficial, a shallow faith experience, which is that seed sown along the rocky places. Some will remain worldly. That's the seed sown among the thorns. Also, when we're sharing, we need to remember some others will truly believe. That's the good soil. That, that is tremendously encouraging. That's a promise. Some seed that you sow will fall on good soil. Don't miss it. If you miss it, you'll miss a tremendous opportunity and a window that we have that we will not have forever. We're going to live like six, maybe, maybe 60, maybe 70, 80. Some people live past that, 90 plus years. But in light of eternity, our life on earth is just a drop in the bucket. If we miss the opportunity to make our lives about kingdom things and planting seeds and investing in things that really matter for eternity, we miss it. Sure, we might be in the presence of God. I'm here. Here I am. So good to see you. And then we realize, you know, we missed that opportunity. Now, I don't know what that scene's going to look like. And I don't want to speculate about that, but what a shame to come to the end of our life and recognize we wasted life on ourselves alone. So don't miss it. John Piper, a, a pastor and a Bible scholar, he was doing an interview with Pastor Rick Warren. Very different approaches to ministry. You can catch this on a website, desiringgod.com if you want. But there's an interview between John Piper... And Rick Warren, two very well-known pastors. Rick Warren, by far probably the most well-known pastor, living pastor. He sold millions of books, The Purpose Driven Life. And John Piper had an interview with him because he wanted to set the record straight because Rick Warren takes a lot of heat from even from within the body of Christ. People criticize, they take things, and they say, look at this, look at what he wrote or said. And 
And so John Piper said, I'd like, to, I'd like to, for the body of Christ, I'd like to have an interview just to ask you about some things. And he went through and he took like 40 pages of notes from the Purpose Driven Life. And he said, this is such a tremendous book, such a gift to the body of Christ. And he's, he just encouraged them. And he said, let's talk through the doctrine of this book. And he asked them for specific things. And, and it was just a tremendous interview. It was such an encouragement. But he got to one part and he read something and he paused. Piper paused when he read the statement from the book that said this, telling others how they can have eternal life is the greatest thing you can do for them. The eternal salvation of a single soul is more important than anything else you will achieve in life. And he said that's, he, they both just reflected on that. And, and one of them, Warren, broke into tears. And it, I think it's because he believes it. He's experienced that. And I, I have experienced that too. Seeing people come to Christ. Many of you, you, you've experienced that. You've shared with others. And it's just tremendous. One of the guys from our church here shared his faith. He's, he's maybe two years old in the faith. Vince, you, you all probably know, many of you know Vince. He's actually in the hospital. You can be praying for him. His foot is having some problems. And so, but he shared his faith this past week with a guy that he's been getting to know. And him and Bruce got together. And Vince took the lead and shared his faith. And the guy responded, committed his life to Christ. And I, I was just, I said, Vince, you are, you have just committed and shared with someone something that is going to change their life. Many, many people live the Christian life and never share even once. They're afraid. They're embarrassed. They don't think they've got the answers. And Vince shared what he could share, and the guy committed his life to Christ. He's keeping eternity in view. I, I'm just, I was so encouraged when I heard that. It, it shouldn't take death or impending death or crisis for us to be willing to tell people that we have a hope that can change their lives. It's, it's something that God wants us to share right now. There are people who are like good soil that God is preparing. If you'll share, God's going to cause them to respond. The, another thought on here is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart when you're sharing. God alone can plow up the hard-hearted and resistant. It's impossible to be faithful in sowing the seed and fail. It's impossible to be sowing and failing. Because the Lord of the harvest will not allow that to happen. He won't allow us to fail. You can anticipate certain kinds of responses without getting discouraged. The parable tells us there's certain things we should expect to see when we share. Don't be discouraged because there are good soil. There are people who are like good soil. And that, that needs to keep us pressing forward in our sharing. I was at, just recently, a couple days ago, a major antagonist got in my face and started challenging me on points of my faith and just question after question in a very rude manner, saying hurtful things about Jesus and just me for believing and all of this and just coming at me with all he could. And he had questions about problematic passages that I didn't have an answer for. And all I could really do was pray while he was talking and share about the difference that Christ has made in my life and many of yours. And, you know, people can't say anything about that. Don't lose heart. God can rescue even the hardened, the most hardened heart. He can do that. Some of you may be that. Actually, there are some of you that I, I look around and I'm like, and I remember the conversations I had and just seeing the growth. Man, that is so encouraging. And, and you know, if, I don't know, this is, I asked a question, I didn't do this in the first service, but if, if there's a few people that have come to Christ since we've started this church, 
If, if that was, if you came to Christ or you, you know, really feel like you got moving in your faith, you know, as a result of people investing in your life or the ministry, just stand up for a second. I know it's kind of bold, but if you would, there's a few of you in the back there that I see. Look, t- take a look at these, at these people. In the first service, there was a handful as well, and I was just like, you know, you guys can sit down, but many of our congregation invested heavily in people's lives. And when you see where people have been and where they're at and the growth that's transpired, man, it keeps you going. It helps us not to lose heart and to not get discouraged because God is at, He's really at work in people's lives. The last thing is this. Spread the seed often and as far and wide as you are able. Spread it often. Even untrained new Christians, like I was sharing about Vince, who faithfully scatter his seed will produce a greater harvest than the most learned and experienced believers who never take the time to sow a seed. So sow it. Matthew 9.37.38 This is why we do it. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus was looking upon a crowd of people who were lost and without hope, and he said, Look at the harvest. It's plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here's another promise from Genesis 8.22. Noah steps off the boat, dry land. Everyone has been wiped out. And God makes a promise. Noah offers a sacrifice to God. God makes him a promise and says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. See, the Lord is responsible for harvest, both agriculturally and spiritually in people's lives. This will not cease as long as the earth endures. God is calling people to himself, and he's allowed us to take part in that privilege. Let's not miss it. No one is born into salvation. The scripture says you must be born again, but it all starts with a seed. So take out that connection card as the as Cody comes up with the band. On the back of the connection card, you see some next steps that are here. And some things I'd like to encourage you on as we wrap up this series. It's been really fun going through this parable together. I hope that this is something that God will use to challenge you in your personal growth. Both in your sharing and as you examine, what kind of soil am I? What do I identify most? But here's some next steps to consider taking. The first one is this, with God's power and guidance. These are on the back top left corner of your card. Sow the seed of the gospel message once a once a week in the month of July. This is a bold next step. And see what God does. You might sow some seed and you're like, that went on the path. Sow some more seed. Share with someone else. Wow, that was kind of like the rocky ground. Sow some more seed. That's kind of the thorny, the worldly. They, they don't want to give up the world. But then you throw it on the good soil and you see the growth. And it encourages you to continue on in that lifestyle. So take that step. Consider that. The other one is pray this week for those you've shared with in the past and look for opportunities to water the seed, to encourage, to clarify, to love, to serve them. Just pray for people that you've already shared with. One of our guys shared with me today, this morning, another person from his mission trip came to Christ. The seeds were planted and God continues to cause those things to grow. The last on the connection card is this. It says start reading a proverb each day beginning Friday, July the 1st. If you'll take this bookmark out, it's in the it's in the bulletin. 
It says the priceless pursuit. Next month I'm going to be launching a series on the pursuit of wisdom. Seeking God's wisdom in the scripture. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs. And there happens to be 31 days in the month of July. So I want to encourage you to take this and to read a proverb a day. Starting July 1st, read Proverbs chapter 1. Just do this in your time with God. Let God speak to you. And you'll come even more prepared when we speak on the topic. So you'll be like, wow, God, he showed me that already in my time with him. So this is for you as we launch into that starting next week. And we do have actually a surprise for next week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you're not going to want to miss it. I, I, I really want you to be here for next Sunday's service. I know it's 4th of July weekend. And you might be headed out of town. And so you could catch it online. But I really want you to be here in person. So... Um, we have something special in store for, for our service next week, and so I, I hope you'll join us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time and for this group that you've gathered. Thank you for the sun and the warmth. God, and the reminder that you are Lord of Harvest. You're shining light into our lives. You're shining your light into the lives of others, and you're causing those seeds to grow. And Lord, we anticipate a great harvest of souls as we lay our lives down to do your work. Your eternal work. This week, the months ahead, Lord, with our lives. Lord, help us to step out courageously trusting you for your promises. Because you keep your promises, God, and we we know that's true, God. And so, we pray that you give us the power and the courage to live these things out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our ushers are going to be receiving our offering, and so when they when they.